Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. Really want my kids to love the world so that one day they can, in their own unique in individual ways, feel empowered to change and heal it, however they're called to do that. That was Jamie Martin, author of the brand new book, Give Your Child the World, Raising Globally Minded Kids One Book at a Time. And today we're taking on what it means to give our kids the world right from our cozy living rooms. Stay tuned. listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that inspires you to build your family culture around books. Well, hello, hello, Sarah McKenzie here, your host for the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. Are you surprised to see us here already this morning? (laughs) We're releasing this podcast episode a whole week early because we wanted to share about a brand new book, which releases today, June 7th, 2016, without delay. I know you're going to love it. I couldn't wait to tell you about it. We'll get into that in just a minute. This podcast is a production of the Read Aloud Revival membership community, the place to be for parents who want their kids to fall in love with books. The membership community features the best masterclass training available on the web for homeschoolers and intentional parents seeking to build their family culture around books. And it offers kids a chance every single month to meet and be inspired by some of today's best authors and illustrators like David McCauley, Avi, Shannon Hale, and more. For more information and to find out how you can get in on all the best that the Read Aloud Revival has to offer, head to rarmembership.com. Now let's head over to my conversation with Jamie Martin and stick around until the end because we make an announcement about something we've teamed up on for the summer that you are not going to want to miss. Ready? Let's do it. Jamie Martin jokes that her family is sort of like a mini United Nations. She met her British husband, Steve, more than 20 years ago in England, and together they're the parents to a biological son as well as two adopted children. So her three kids were born on three different continents. With that kind of background plus a love for travel, it's sort of a natural fit that Jamie would be interested in literature from around the world. But as you'll hear today, rich literature is one of the main things that brought Jamie's family together when she was a mom of three littles and just beginning to navigate homeschooling. You might know Jamie best as the editor of the very popular Simple Homeschool website, which you can find at simplehomeschool.net, or from one of her many books, including Steady Days, A Journey Toward Intentional Professional Motherhood. But she's here today to talk about a new book very special to her heart. 
heart. Give Your Child the World, Raising Globally-Minded Kids One Book at a Time is a project five years in the making. It's a lovingly curated collection of book suggestions for parents, teachers, and caregivers that combines history, literature, even geography into one beautiful volume. Think Honey for a Child's Heart written from a global perspective. It's also the tale of Jamie's family, how they all met, and how stories have continued to bring them closer as a family. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Oh my gosh, Sarah, thank you. That was such a great introduction. Yay! Well, I would love to have you introduce more about your kids and your husband and your family life to our listeners. Sure, I would love to do that. My husband, Steve, and I have been married for almost 18 years now. And like you said, we have three children. Jonathan is our biological son who joined our family first, and he's now 11. Then came our son, Elijah, who we adopted from Liberia, West Africa. And he is also currently 11. Uh, Technically, Jonathan is six months older, but for half the year, they're the same age. And and then the third, yeah. And then the third child to join our family was our daughter, Trishna from India, who was the third child to join us, but she actually became our oldest child when she came home at the age of four. And by the time this podcast goes up, she will have just turned 13, which is pretty, pretty wild. We live in Newtown, Connecticut, a gorgeous little town in the countryside. And right now we rent a nearly 200-year-old farmhouse on five acres, and we just love it out here. I didn't realize that you lived on a farmhouse, I guess. No, you didn't. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know how I missed that. (laughs) Yes. We love it out here. It's so beautiful, peaceful, just perfect for us. As far as work goes, Steve is the CEO of an organization called Love on 46, which works toward the abolition of child trafficking and exploitation around the globe. And my work, like you mentioned, aside from homeschooling the kids, is as the writer and editor of the blog simplehomeschool.net and then author of a few books, including Give Your Child the World, which is what we're here to chat about today. And it seems crazy to think that when listeners are downloading this episode, they'll actually be able to get their hands on the book. Because- I know, so exciting. I've got my <laughs> hands on my galley copy right here. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just been so long in the making. So this is really special. So for our listeners, Jamie was on the show once before, way back in season two. She was on episode 11. We talked about using the library without losing your mind. So if you are interested in hearing that episode with Jamie and finding out some tricks and tactics for making use of your public library without, you know, absolutely going crazy with all the struggles that go along with that, head to readaloudrevival.com and look for episode 11. It's right there with all the other podcasts from season two. Okay, so you've said that you love to travel and you met your husband overseas. Did you always hope to adopt internationally? Was that something that was in your plan? Well, I had this big thirst for adventure as a teen, and I really wanted to travel and go exploring and see the world. Really, I wanted to be a full-time missionary one day. So that was kind of my goal as a teen. And then it was on a six-week summer mission trip in 1992 when I was 16 that I first met Steve. And I tell all the details of what happened in the book. But basically, when I got home from that trip, I told my Nana that I had met the person I was going to marry. (laughs) (laughs) I did. And of course, not many people believed me. And I especially remember that my dad in particular was not really thrilled with the concept. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) But six years later, we were there at the altar getting married 
And we didn't really have any plans to adopt back then. So it wasn't kind of this huge vision all the way from the beginning. Really, it came about later after we had had Jonathan and were plunged into that beautiful, sleep-deprived, crazy (laughs) transition that first-time parents go through. And I think God kind of used that process and really used our new baby boy to touch our hearts. And it just led us to think of all the children in the world who didn't have someone to do for them what we were doing for Jonathan. So that's what initially led us to start exploring adoption. And when you adopted, you adopted pretty close together. Is that right? That's right. The kids are all very close in age. So there's less than 22 months apart, so less than two years. And then we added them all to the family in less than three years. So Jonathan was born in 2004, then Elijah 2005 came to us and Trishna in 2007. Wow. So by 2007, you had three kids who were four and under. Did I do that math right? That's right. Uh, Four, three, and two. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. Okay. You've talked before about how as a young mom, you really use stories to knit your family together. Tell me more about that. Right. Well, as far as that goes, I think really at first, I just use stories to try and keep everybody quiet for like 10 minutes at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that. (laughs) Yes. I'm not sure it really started out as this kind of lofty goal, but just purely practical one of kind of how can we pass this short unit of time? But as a lifelong book lover, it felt really natural to me to turn to books and to want to share them with the kids. Like you say, to build our family culture and our days at home around these stories that could provide key anchors that we could kind of count on at certain times in the day. But then as the kids got a little bit older and we weren't in quite so much survival mode, I started to want to use books to connect us with these different cultures that were going to be a part of our lives forever. And since we couldn't travel then, I mean, the kids were too young. We didn't have the money. It wasn't like we could go on major explorations. We needed a way to add that cultural dimension to our lives. And I found that we could easily do that using books. So that's really where it all started. I love that idea of being able to give your child the world right from your living room, you know, right from your cozy couch at home. Especially, yeah, because... Okay, so we have a mutual friend, Tish Oxenrider, who was on the podcast, in fact, way back at the beginning on episode three. And she took her kids on this epic journey around the world last year, which I loved following. And I have all kinds of envy about it, of course, too. (laughs) (laughs) Because who wouldn't? And um, But I have, you know, a house full of toddlers at the moment. That would not work well (laughs) with twin two-year-olds. But I kept thinking to myself... You know, there's the stories would be such a beautiful way of intentionally reading stories would be such a beautiful way to do that, to give my children like a peek through the window into these other parts of the world right from home. So even if you're in a situation where you can't pick up and take your kids to the Far East or to Europe or, you know, or to the next state over, (laughs) you know, there's a way to peek through the windows of the other parts of the world. And that's what I love that what you've done with the book. So what were some of the books that and stories that were the most meaningful to your family early on? Well, when I just found out I was pregnant with Jonathan, so when he was still in the womb, I bought a book that I know you and I both love. 
and you already mentioned it, Honey for a Child's Heart. Yes. And (laughs) it's such a delightful book about books. And so when I was just like starting out and had no clue about what, you know, what kids books were popular then or what was good, that really got me started creating our home library. And I just loved knowing that this author who I trusted, you know, Gladys Hunt, she'd gone through and she'd done all the work for me and she'd picked the best out of all that was out there. So that's really what I used as my framework um, for choosing stories in the early years when you're talking about just, you know, the general kind of classics. But globally, the first book I really remember inspiring me to give my children the world was a book called Children Just Like Me by Annabelle and Barnabas Kindersley. I don't think I've seen that one. Okay. Oh my gosh, you have to get that. It's like a photographic tour of kids all around the world. And each page gives you a snapshot of a specific child in a different place. It goes on to tell about their family, their school, their food, just so much fun information that's really colorful. And when the kids were little, we used to read maybe one or two pages a day. So it just fit into our routine. And so it was a part of our life for probably, you know, a a few years. And the kids kind of grew up with that book. So I just have all kinds of nostalgic feelings when I think back about it. And and that's kind of the book that started the whole thing for us. I just put it in my Amazon cart while you were talking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I do most of my Amazon buying while I'm talking to podcasts. Yes. <laughs> I bet. I bet. That's dangerous. Yeah. I, my husband should probably start confiscating the, <laughs> you know, locking down the Amazon account when I hop on the microphone. That's so funny. Yeah. So I love that you call your family a mini United Nations. I mean, it just cracks me up. How do you celebrate the many traditions and heritages and cultural backgrounds that you have right under your own roof? Well, we've kind of added different things over the years, but the one practice that has been a constant for us is uh, celebrating these cultural days that we do to honor our family members and all the places that we come from. So we celebrate Trishna India Day and Elijah Liberia Day. Those are on the anniversary of the days when we first met them. And we also have England Day, which is on Steve's birthday. And we celebrate America Day. We call it on Jonathan's half birthday, which technically I'm supposed to share, but I don't usually get much credit that day. (laughs) You're (laughs) the mom, you know. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So so when it's someone's day, we put up a big flag of their country in the dining room and we either make or buy a traditional meal from that place. We listen to music. Uh, Trish and Elijah even have special clothes they like to wear from India and Liberia. And I go into this a bit more in depth in Give Your Child the World as a practice that really anyone can implement just to celebrate you know, a place that you love that you've been or a culture that's in your ancestry or something like that. So really anybody can do that. We've loved doing that. I love that. That sounds like those sound like the kind of memories that your kids are going to treasure more than any other. You know, I could see them like looking back on their childhood and going, this was one of my most treasured moments in my childhood. So I think that's amazing that you make time and space to do that. I am not like the best birthday mom even. So like to make a <laughs> time and space to celebrate another big event like that, I think that's... but Right. Well, it's not big. And that's the really important part of it because too much logistics kind of scares me off. Okay. So really like the first year of doing it, you know, it was required a bit more forethought in that we had to order the flags or, you know, see what kind of music we had 
have. But now, really, we just get that stuff out. So right. it's kind of like the okay. night before. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, tomorrow's Elijah Liberia Day. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So I don't want to set it up as like some epic thing. It's really low key is the the key that makes it kind of really happen as opposed to get shoved to the side. So and now it's pretty easy to find music or YouTube or anything like that. So really only the first year requires a bit of prep. And after that, especially if you do, we always do takeout from for India, especially we have a great Indian restaurant close by. So that's simple. And that really is is the key. It doesn't have to be major or it just won't happen. Well, there was right after we moved to where we live now in the Inland Northwest, I was trying to find ways where we could figure out new things about our town. And they had this Japanese festival going on when we moved here. And okay, that'll be fun. The kids were four, six and eight. And so I thought we could just learn about Japan next month. That would be really fun. So I found a few picture books and then I was surprised at how simple it was really. We went to an event or two that was hosted by the city, you know, like at a park where they were doing things like making origami. And there were some people that were dressed in kind of traditional Japanese clothing and some music. And there's like a Japanese garden in the town. So we kind of went to those things and then we went out to Japanese food and then read some books. And it was like, wow, we had this really rich full. And when I look back at those pictures, I have so many fond memories of that little couple week period. Okay, so tell me more about where the idea for Give Your Child the World, the book, where that came from, where that was born. Right. Well, it's been five years now, so I actually had to think back to try and remember where the idea first came from. But like we talked about a few minutes ago, our mutual love for Honey for a Child's Heart as a resource that helped us, you know, to kind of center our day around these and these inspiring books. And when I started the process of looking for books about other cultures, I felt like really I was more or less on my own to do that research, separate the good from the bad and decide what was worthwhile and not worthwhile. And that got me thinking about a reading treasury like Honey that would have this multicultural focus. It really reflects you know, the globally connected world that we live in now. And I just knew how much time it would have saved me if I had had that. And it would make me feel confident in sharing books with my kids if this trusted voice had given them a stamp of parental approval first. Mm -hmm. So eventually I thought, well, why don't I just do that? That's awesome. So like, I know that creating a book list, well, for me, creating a book list is we just did this, not we didn't create this awesome global Book list. We just created a read aloud <laughs> reckless, <laughs> the read aloud revival, which listeners, no, I've seen by that. the way, it's great. Yeah. yeah, it's a great book list. Oh, good. Thank you. And listeners, you can get, if you haven't gotten access to it, you can grab it at readaloudrevival.com. But when I was creating that book list, it was like, anguish. It was it was very <laughs> difficult for me because whenever I would choose something, I would realize that meant that I couldn't choose five other books, you know, because yeah. I was trying to have this kind of carefully curated list exactly the way you describe yours. So I'm curious right. to know how you chose the books that and what that process was like for you. Was it anguishing for you too? <laughs> it was. Oh my gosh. There was like, there are so many tears invested in the pages of Give Your Child the World because it felt like the never ending story, you know, just the project that was never going to possibly be completed because how can you narrow down, you know, the whole world's worth of books and find out what's the best and what's worth yeah. worth including. So it took so long because of all the research involved. But the great, I mean, what makes me so happy now for parents who read it is that it's saving all of that time. Hopefully your pages will not be covered with tears like mine. 
<laughs> no, you've done all the, the crying for us and the selecting right. for us. So now we can just read, right? That's, right? that's right. It was a labor of love, but definitely the labor part was there as well. So I started by just dividing the world into regions and thinking, okay, how could this logistically be formatted? Then I think the first book list I tackled was the chapter about Africa. So I would start out just spending a lot of time online, just compiling a huge list from blogs, from Goodreads, from bookstores, wherever, just to look for books set in Africa or about Africa as a starting place. But then as I got deeper into it, you know, I wasn't just looking for books set in a place, but books that I really felt conveyed the heart of that area's culture, the people, and books that have this spirit of a classic, you know, most of these are not classics in the traditional sense of having been around for a long time or even necessarily being really well known. But I feel like they have the soul of a classic. You know, they're inspiring. They lead us to think more deeply, to care about others. So that's the type of books I was looking for. I, so- I really appreciate that. If I can just interrupt you really briefly, sure. because, you know, I think we all know the class, like we all know what the classics are, or there are gazillions of book lists online that will tell us all the books our kids should read or they will not become fully human by the time they leave <laughs> our home. Right? All the mom guilt. Um, yeah, yeah. But I find a special, like it's especially helpful to me when somebody can tell me a more modern book that's read, you know, that I could read to my mm-hmm. kids that mm-hmm. is especially a treasure or a book that is just not very well known. I was just recently on the Wild and Free podcast and I was chatting with Jen Pepito there and I told her one of our favorite read alouds from the last year was listening for lions by Gloria Whelan, which you have in this section. Oh my gosh, yes, yes. Uh, you know, set in <laughs> Africa, and I um, somebody sent it to me, and I had never heard of it. And I just thought, well, this looks good, I guess. And it was kind of one of those days I was being really indecisive. So I just grabbed it and decided this was going to be our next read aloud because I yeah, plan ahead like that. And we started reading it. And I mean, it's really tragic and beautiful and gorgeous and amazing. I mean, the book is just a heart. It's an amazing story. So, But that's one of those I'd never heard of before. And when I mentioned it to Jen Pepito, she said, oh, I've never heard that one. And what a treasure it is to be able to have somebody else say, hey, you haven't heard of this book, but this is one that will really be special for your family year. So that's what I think your book does in a special way here is a lot of books. I see a lot of titles on here that I recognize from my own child, like Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters yes. and some books about Nelson Mandela and Why Mosquitoes Buzz in People's Ears, just from the Africa, the section on Africa. But I also see several titles here that I've never heard of before. So I'm really excited to have this list at my fingertips. After the initial research, when I had this substantial list of titles to kind of consider, I actually requested all the picture books I could possibly get my hands on from that list from my interlibrary loan program, which actually in halfway through the year, there was like a statewide threat that they were going to cut interlibrary loan. And I think it has a lot to do with my <laughs> oh no <laughs> my overuse of interlibrary loan. But thankfully, that did not happen. Oh, good. So I... <laughs> 
I owe major kudos to the librarians here in Newtown who helped me with all of that and never complained. So I tried to read all of the picture books myself, at least as much as was was possible. And then I would just start to cull through the list of choosing what I felt like was the best. And I actually tried at first to read the chapter books too, just because I love books and I wanted to, but eventually I had to accept that it was going to take me 10 years to write Give Your Child the World instead of five if I kept doing that. So instead, I tried to discipline myself to just read excerpts online and then also really rely on professional reviews from places like Publishers Weekly and School Library Journal and Booklist and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's helpful. When I was putting together my book list, the fan- I realized I- we can't have a fantasy section if I have to read it them all myself because I have not read very much fantasy and I had the list I had that I was pretty sure was, you know, that I I had pretty much curated from people I trust would take me like probably years to get through, like realistically is with all my other reading. And so I realized I just needed to have some people that I really trusted and who loved fantasy. And so like Carolyn Lelaglu, who is on the podcast on episode 41 was a huge help to me and some other people just were a really big help to me as trying to figure out, okay, I can't actually read all of these, but I know that there's other people who we can all kind of band together and help each other find the best books. So it sounds like that's what you did with this. Yes, definitely. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? <laughs> fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. So tell us a bit about what you mean when you say the tagline for the book is raising globally minded kids one book at a time. What do you mean when you say raising globally minded kids? What do you think that does? Well, when I think about that, I realize I really want my kids to love the world so that one day they can in their own unique in individual ways, feel empowered to change and heal it. However, they're called to do that. So for me, that's what I really mean when I say globally minded. I feel like we see that little children start out with this natural love 
for the world, exploring everything. Everything is fascinating. And yet that so often changes as we get older and become more consumed with ourselves, with our own problems. And we can lose that sense of wonder that once came so naturally. At the same time, we kind of live like never before in this era when the world is literally at our doorstep because of news and social media. We are always connected to any corner of the planet and not always in a good way either because the news often focuses on the negative things going on. And I feel like, you know, that can lead to this fear of the world instead of this curiosity that we feel the fear, we can pass it on to our kids and it just continues as a cycle. But I think that we've been given this chance as parents to use what I call it It's a miracle vaccine that can boost our kids' immunity to the world's heaviness, and that is the power of story. So I feel that through using stories, we can connect our kids with people and places on the other side of the world. And as they fall deeper in love with these stories, I think it helps them maintain that natural God-given wonder for the world that they were born with. So that's really what Globally Minded boils down to for me. That's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. It really is beautiful coming from you because of the work that your husband and you do with Love 146 and all over the world. And so it feels to me like an incarnation of the book itself is like a way that families can actually put boots on the ground and help make the world a better place right from Mm. their own living room. Yes, I think so. Because we just, it gives us a chance to become that sort of person. Just it changes our perspective and our perspective changes everything because then it changes the way that we act. It changes our calling and what we feel led to do, what we feel capable of doing. So when I talk in Give Your Child the World about our kids being world changers, I don't don't necessarily mean that they're going to be the next Nelson Mandela or something lofty like that. What I mean is that through our love for the world, we can deepen our compassion, which naturally leads us to act out of love. And that naturally changes the world. So we all have the ability to be world changers and to raise world changers. And that's what I hope Give Your Child the World does for parents is to just make it easy for them to feel like, you know what, our family can be world changers and that's what we're called to be. And this is a really simple way for us to start. So how do you practically, just logistically speaking, how do you see families using the book in their homeschool or not in their homeschool if they don't homeschool, like just using the book in their family life as parents who are wanting to give their kids that same kind of global perspective? Right. I think there's lots of different ways depending on families. And like you said, not just homeschoolers, but anyone who wants to raise book lovers and world lovers, no matter where they go to school. I kind of see, to me, it feels fun to think of people browsing and just quote unquote traveling to the places in the book that excite them and excite their kids. So that seems like a really fun way to get started with it. So right now, actually, we're using the Asia book lists a lot because of Trishna being from India. And we had started reading a book about Amy Carl. Michael, who was a missionary to India recently. And then when that was over, we just kind of didn't want to leave India or Asia. And so we started to look 
through the list for more books. And what's kind of fun is that I turned the book into Zondervan, the publisher, almost a year ago. And then I haven't really seen it all that much or lived with it. And so (laughs) getting it into my hands again now feels like I'm kind of discovering it alongside readers. And it's fun to be using it in our home. So I feel like, you know, readers can use it informally like that, or they can use it more formally to kind of aid their, say, for homeschooling families, their geography or history studies. I did make several indexes in the back and one is a historical index so that readers can see chronologically when the books take place as well as where they take place. And my hope is that that will be a help when families are studying history as well. I didn't see that. I'm really excited about that. (laughs) No, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Now I I see it, but somehow I missed it the first time. Very cool. That's going to be really, really helpful. Yes, I hope so. And I'm excited about that too. Well, especially for those who are trying to study history chronologically, like, you know, for or not chronologically, but just certain periods of time at a chunk, but want to give a more global perspective. So I'm thinking of something like Story of the World by Susan Weisbauer, and she really tries to paint this picture of history all across the world. And then here you have basically a list of living books that will help you do that as well. Yes, that was my real hope is that to give so many options and not say like, this is the way you should use it, but to make it simple and then readers can take it from there. Okay, so a little bird told me that I should ask you about a very special endorsement that you've received for the book. So tell us about that. Oh my gosh. Well, I will try to tell you, but there's a chance that I might go all fangirl on you and just (laughs) take over and gush on and on for the rest of the podcast. So you'll have to stop me if I do. Okay. (laughs) Well, I usually do not get all crazy about celebrities. It's just not my thing. But this is an exception because basically there's one person that I've just always wanted to meet and have the chance to thank them for their work that's meant so much to me. I really see this person as being partially responsible for the fact that I am a reader and a book lover today. And that is LeVar Burton Uh from Rainbow. I love LeVar Burton. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. I know. Who doesn't love LeVar Burton? So the crazy continues in that not only did I have the chance to meet and thank him just a couple months ago, but I was also able to give him an early review copy of Give Your Child the World. And amazingly, he offered to endorse the book, which in just all my imagination, I could not think of a more fabulous match for this book than his endorsement. So he called Give Your Child the World an invaluable resource for any and everyone who has children in their lives. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. (laughs) You must have been doing somersaults when you got that Oh my gosh. You know what? I actually, I was at Panera Bread when I got it and I, and a guy who was like working there, he came around the corner at the very moment and he actually came up to me to ask if I was okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, okay, do you know who Bilvar Burton is? Oh my gosh. Did you watch The Reading Rainbow? And... (laughs) He just, oh my goodness, you should see what he just said about my book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love to know what my face actually looks like. I'm not sure what it, my expression clearly said something. I'm not sure what. So yes, I'm just, I could not be more grateful and absolutely over the moon because, you know, for those of us who grew up with Reading Rainbow, I mean, over the years, they highlighted so many wonderful multicultural titles. And now they have this great web version that my kids love called Skybrary. 
that's equally as awesome. So as this is just a complete dream come true and miraculous. I'm so blessed and thankful for it. We will link to the course, the work of LeVar Burton and Reading Rainbow in the show notes and the Skyberry. And you're definitely going to want to check up if you haven't heard of or been kind of in touch with Reading Rainbow since you were a child. I'm sure you all were, you were in touch when you were a child, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> then check out what they're doing now because LeVar Burton and the people at Reading Rainbow are really doing some amazing things today. So for our kids, our generation of kids. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Totally. Okay. So out of all those books, they, you poured all this love and blood and sweat and tears into when you were researching to write this book. Are there any that stand out especially as favorites? That's not really a fair question, Sarah. <laughs> no. <laughs> totally unfair. <laughs> it's like asking someone to choose their favorite kid or something. It's just, they're all special to me. Plus, <laughs> But I like plus, one a little more today than I did. <laughs> Because she did her chores without asking, (laughs) without me having to tell her. (laughs) Right. Well, there are over 600 to choose from, but let me see if I can just at least point out a few favorites. Well, definitely you need a copy of Children Just Like Me, which I mentioned earlier, because that is a multicultural keeper. You just need it on your shelf long term. Then I thought of this sweet early chapter book, which is set in Africa called Anna Hibiscus. Have you heard of that, Sarah? I have. I ha- We have it on our shelf, but I'm embarrassed to say I haven't read it yet. Oh my gosh. This is sweet. You're going to want to pull it off because it is a series about a little girl. Her mother is Canadian and her father is African, though they don't specify which country they live in. But she has twin baby brothers named Double and Trouble. Oh, I need <laughs> to read this book. <laughs> Yes, that's why I thought this one is for you. So it is hilarious and it's sweet, but in the midst of it all, of of the action, it also just has this beautiful kind of love of Africa. And it reminds me a little bit of Millie Molly Mandy, which is like an early chapter book, but, you know, an African version. Very sweet. So that's a definite favorite. I have more. Oh, good. (laughs) I was going to cut you off. (laughs) Yes. Then I also thought of a post-World War II picture book, Boxes from Katya, that takes place in the Netherlands. And I thought of that because didn't you just have Candace Fleming on for a membership? What do you call that? Author access event. (laughs) Yes. And we did. So for all of you listening, Candace Fleming has written a lot of wonderful books, books that you'd recognize if you saw the covers of or that you might have on your shelf, like Muncha, 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 or Oh No. I just saw Oh No at the grocery store yesterday and had little... Well, I always have kind of a fangirl moment when I see like authors that I've talked to and had conversations <laughs> with, like their features at the grocery store. That feels pretty cool. But she's written this amazing book called Boxes for Katya. And we loved this book so much at the revival that we created this whole book club kit around it to help whole families, no matter what age child, celebrate the book and kind of dig out what it had for each age. And then we had Candace Fleming on Inside Reloud Revival membership at an author access event. So the kids in our community were able to ask her questions and get them answered live on screen. She was so just so delightful. In fact, actually, you know, what? I will pull out the portion of that author access event where she's reading aloud boxes for Katja. And we'll put it in the show notes so that you can all see watch her reading the book because it's a really oh gosh, sweet book. Great. Yeah. So if you want to watch that, if you want to see Candace Fleming reading boxes for Katja, head to readaloudrevival.com and look for episode 48. 
So Rickshaw Girl is a book that we just recently finished as a read aloud, and it is set in Bangladesh. We really enjoy this. It's a perfect pick for ages eight to 10 and maybe even upwards because we just finished reading it a couple of weeks ago. It just tackles a lot of really thoughtful questions about poverty, and we really enjoyed that, the kids and I did. So then the last one I wanted to make sure I mentioned is the series Audrey of the Outback, which is kind of like Australia's Pippi Longstocking meets Ramona Quimby. Oh my, that sounds fantastic. I have an Audrey too, so I might have to get that one. Great. So yeah, that's definitely another one to to love. Oh, these make me so happy. Yeah, I'm over here just clicking away on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I guess I'll have to stop there. (laughs) You better because otherwise my my card's about to explode. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm really excited to tell everybody about a project that you and I have teamed up to make happen this summer. It's the Read the World Summer Book Club. And it's basically a really simple way for parents to give their kids a global tour through literature all this summer. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about what that's going to look like? Yes, I'm so excited. It's going to just take your kids all around the world, right from your living rooms and be interactive. And there'll be prizes and downloads and videos. And just, it will be really fun. So we'll be sharing all the specifics of that next week after this podcast airs. And you can come to simplehomeschool.net on Monday, June 13th or readaloudrevival.com and find out all the details. Yep, exactly. We'll have all the details posted June 13th. And then the actual book club begins June 27th. So I'll give you a little bit of time just to, you don't need to do a lot of prep, just to collect a couple of books and kind of get your bearings on what that's going to look like. Yes. Yes. And if for now, if you just get your copies of Give Your Child the World, you'll be all set to start. Exactly. Yes. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking you through a literature tour every week. You'll be able to read a book from another part of the world. And uh, using Jamie's book, Give Your Child the World, is going to be a really simple way to do that. And I think you're going to love it. It's actually available today, the day that we're airing this podcast, June 7th. And so we'll have links in the show notes where you can grab the brand new copies of Give Your Child the World, Raising Globally Minded Kids One Book at a Time. So if you want to find that, you just need to head to Read Loud Revival and look at episode 48 and we'll have links there for you. Before we go, tell everyone where they can find out more about you and find your work. And I know we've mentioned simplehomeschool.net, but where else would you like them to go to find, to connect with you? Well, you can find me on Facebook as well at Simple Homeschool. And we have a really active, fun community. It's Simple Homeschool is where you can find that on Facebook and the blog. And that's pretty much where I hang out. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jamie. I'm so excited to get your book into the hands of our listeners. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. My name is Katia, and I live in California, and I'm seven, and my favorite book is Narnia, The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. My favorite part is when Lucy goes in the wardrobe. I'm Madison Rogers. I live in California, and I'm 10 years old. I like The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, and I like when the kids and the beavers have to run away from the witch's wolves. And Mrs. Beaver says, I'm pretty sure my sewing machine is too heavy to bring along. My name is Sally, and I live in 
Missouri. My favorite book is Millie the Dealy. And my favorite part about it is that she tries to put Mrs. Rogers' coffee mixed with cereal together. Hi, my name is Lydia. I am six and a half years old. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. My favorite read-alouds was Begin. It's the first in the Growly Bear books. I like it because it's an adventure and a, and a mystery. Hi, my name is Ellen. I'm eight and a half years old. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. My favorite read-aloud my dad read to me was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets because it's magical and has monsters like a giant basilisk. My name is Nora, and I live in Alberta, Canada. I'm seven years old, and my favorite book is Matilda by Roald Dahl. And my favorite part about it is when Matilda uses her brain power to make the chalk on the chalkboard at school right by itself. Good day. My name is Riley, and I am 11 years old. I live in Newcastle, Australia. My favourite read aloud is the most Prince in Exile series by Carol Wilkinson. It is set in ancient Egypt. I like it because it is full of adventure. Hello everybody, my name is Trishna Martin and when this podcast releases, I'll be 13. I live in Connecticut with my family. One of the best things about it is that my mom, she wrote, Give Your Child the World, which is pretty awesome. And I heard it's very popular. One of my favorite books that I've been reading was called Boys Without Names. This book takes place in India, which is my home country. One of the things that I learned from it was that many people in India live in poverty. And that makes me think that one day when I grow up, I would like to help those people. If you want to learn more about India, you can look up her boys without names and give your child the world. Thank you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Elijah Martin and I'm 11. My mom wrote this book called Give Your Child the World and my favorite book from Give Your Child the World is about the year of the panda. It's about this boy named Yuri. He found this panda in the woods. If you like animals, I can guarantee you like his book. It's from China. Hello, my name is Jonathan Martin, and I live in Connecticut, and I'm 11. My mom will give your child the world, which is a wonderful resource for mothers all around the world. My favorite book from Give Your Child the World is The Unfinished Angel. It takes place in Switzerland. I think you'll enjoy this book because I know I did. Bye! Wonderful kids. Oh my goodness. So many books right out of Give Your Child the World this time. That's really fun. Love hearing about books from all different parts of the world. And I loved all of your recommendations. We absolutely love hearing from the kids in our community. So if your kids haven't had a chance yet, head to readaloudrevival.com Scroll to the bottom of the page and have them leave us a message about a book that they have loved. 
It doesn't have to be a perfect message. They can stutter and stumble and anything else, leave big long pauses or say the same thing over and over again. We love hearing from them and we would love to feature them on the Read Aloud Revival. Remember that the brand new free Read the World Summer Book Club starts June 27th, but you're going to want to grab Jamie's brand new book, Give Your Child the World, right now so that you are ready for it. We'll have a link to her book in the show notes, of course, or you can head straight to Amazon or your favorite local bookshop to get it. Now that's it for season eight. This episode wraps up our podcast for the school year. We'll be taking a little break for the summer. That should give you a chance to, you know, listen to any podcast episode you might have missed. And we'll be back with the first episode of season nine, a brand new season at the Read Aloud Revival in August. We have a ton going on all summer long. Make sure you're getting in on the fun by heading to readaloudrevival.com and popping your email into the page there so you don't miss out on any of the goodness happening during the summer months. Until next time, go build your family culture around books. 